Good morning. Love is. Um, we're as a church or as a team for sure trying to uh, look at what love is and make it absolutely as the most practical, um, relatable, helpful, life changeable, you know, everything for, for us. I mean, this topic, regardless of, uh, where you're at in your life, whether you're single, whether you're a teenager, uh, whether you're single again, whether you're a widow, I mean, this is a, this is a huge issue for our lives. And so we want to hit it head on. And this morning, that's what I plan to do is hit this bad boy head on. Now, um, the verse, the, is the common verse that we're using for the entire series is John, uh, I think, what is it, John? Oh yeah, John 13. A new command. I, I wrote it down. I don't know what my problem is. Okay. A new command. I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Walt started this series out with this powerful message called Love Leads. And it was talking about how you have to lead yourself first, take responsibility for your own role in loving. And then he's also preached about love fights and he's preached about love pardons. And so we really uh, pray that this... um, this series is hitting home for you. You know, interestingly, a lot of the personal illustrations that Wall has shared, we've had a lot of questions about. And one of the um, stories that we've had a lot of questions about was the story that Walt shared about um, me saying to him that I was done in terms of um, my role at the church. And, um, so anyway, um, it was, it's, I'm glad that it raised questions and glad that it made you think, well, is actually going to revisit that story in a couple of weeks. So I'm not going to visit that story today because I have like approximately 1 million stories that I need to share with you about my topic this morning, which is actually love limits. So we're going to be talking about boundaries today. So Walt's messages have been a lot related to drawing near and my message just because we're opposites. So I thought I would do like the opposite thing. And so I'm going to be talking about boundaries in our relationships and hopefully it will be really helpful for you in wherever you find yourself at in your life. But I wanted to mention just real quick that, um, just how much I appreciate Walt and his confidence and his ongoing confidence in me sharing, you know, he never checks my notes. He, you know, just asks, do you need anything? And, um, I think that, um, that really takes a lot of self-security on his part. And as you know, I'm, I'm a strong kind of a, um, I don't know, feisty person, one might say. And so uh, he he's always let me be myself. And I really, really appreciate that. And preaching is just one component of that in terms of our relationship and our marriage. And so actually this week we're married 24 years. So I just wanted to thank him for... So anyway, uh, I think that God has kind of given me a word picture to kind of help explain um, love is boundaries or love limits. And you see a little bit of that here today, and I'm going to explain that. But get ready to buckle in for a ride, and let's pray real quick and then get going. God, thank you so much for um, everyone here. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for the plans you have for us. Thank you that you love us even with our mistakes 
with the mess we find ourselves in. Thank you that you know how to help us, and thank you that you're here with us in this meeting today, so we give our time that we are sharing together to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, boundaries, if you have the definition, it talks about a a definition is a line that makes the limits of an area or a dividing line. And if you'd pull up the box, please. And in general, we tend to have no problems with boundaries in some areas of our lives, but then have problems with boundaries in other areas of our life. For example, you might um, not have a problem about not drinking alcohol. Like that's not a thing for you. You don't care about it. It's no big deal. But you might have a, um, a problem with stealing from your employer, not having a problem with that. Or you might have a problem with, um, or you might not have a problem with pornography because that's what all people do in the 21st century that have the internet. But you do have a problem with your student having a B or lower on their report card. Um, but some people um, might consistently want to defend their own boundary while encroaching on other people's boundaries. Uh, A lot of times you'll see this in marriages where one person is kind of the aggressor in the relationship and they'll keep pushing, 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 pushing until you have this person in the corner that doesn't even recognize themselves and doesn't even remember who they were, you know, a few years ago. Now, some people might consistently be wanting to defend their boundary, but take your virginity or take your money or take your time. You know, it's like if I have my boundary about, well, I'm doing this or I'm doing that or whatever, but it's like when I need you to help me come move my boxes, then I'm sorry, I need your time. You see, so they have a boundary about their stuff, but might not have a boundary in another area of their life. You'll see this a lot of times in relationships um, where one person tends to have really strong boundaries about something. This is what I need. This is what I want. You know, this is what our roles are. This is what a woman should do. This is what a man should do or whatever. But then they, you know, the other direction might not have. But um, in other words, boundaries are varied like individuals, but there are common principles that almost all issues will fall into. And I've summarized them in four areas, the four areas of this box. And we, um, as God's people in general, should basically be in the middle of these boundaries. And you'll understand as I go through them. But the first, the first boundary is that God has a style for his boundaries. And if you could put that up. God's style of boundaries. Now, boundaries were not something that some, you know, psychobabble, you know, Freud or 21st century person came up with. Okay? Boundaries are something that God designed. And let me show you. Starting right from the book of Genesis. Garden of Eden. What did, what did God say? He said, you can go here, but don't go there. Right? And what did his people do? They went there, you know, kind of like us. And then, and then the Ten Commandments. It's like, you can do this. You can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can love your neighbors yourself. But don't lie. Don't have affairs. Don't covet other people's things. You see what I'm saying? Boundaries. Then you start getting into the more of the Old Testament that you 
get bored reading. And um, it's like God says, you know, do not have anything to do with the Philistines or the Babylonians. You know, I don't want you marrying those people. I don't want you eating their food. I don't want you going in their area. You know what I'm saying? And he was super hardcore about that. And he's like, I do not want you doing that. What did the Israelites do? Some of them just creeped over. Man, that lady is pretty. And so I want her, you know. I think she'd be good for me, right? Okay. And then you've got the other, like, you get a little farther into the areas that you don't want to read in the one-year Bible. And it's like if your, you know, sore has is red and has white hair growing out of it, you know, then you can't, like, be in the camp. And, you know, if your bowl has, you know, black spots, you know, don't eat out of it and stuff like that. And, and what did, what were they? They were God's boundaries. And what were their purpose? Their purpose were were to protect his people, right? He didn't want them like getting a bunch of diseases and, you know, getting like fungi in their intestines and stuff like that. And, and he didn't like, he would say going into the Babylonians, he's like, if you go over there, you're going to get torn apart by wild beasts. You're going to get your head on a stake. It is not going to be a good situation, right? And he would say that. And even with those sometimes, you know what I'm saying? People would cross over. But the bottom line is that it was God's style to have boundaries. And it's always been that way, okay? It's not a new thing. Look at the New Testament. Woman caught in adultery. Um, he says, he, he touches a woman, calls an adultery, adultery, and he forgives her, and he says, I forgive you, but he said, now go and don't go and keep hanging out with those losers. You know, he said, don't go there. So he forgave her, but he set a boundary. He said, don't go hanging around them. And when people got saved, you know, in the book of Acts and stuff like that, you had all these people that got saved. And what did God establish? He said, you need to be hanging around together all the time. You need to be going over to each other's houses all the time. You need to be, you know, creating a new friend group, you know, and which is what small groups are, the point of small groups are here. But he was establishing boundaries of saying, look, at you got saved when Paul preached his awesome sermon. But if you go do your own thing, go back to your old friends, go back doing your own thing, you're not going to stay this way. You need to create. And that's why in Acts 2, 42 and 47, he established the idea of hanging out with other Christians. So people act surprised when I suggest enforcing boundaries in our lives and with others. But I cannot figure out why. Because God's style is boundaries all throughout the Bible. Even Jesus, in those verses we just read, um, Jesus had boundaries. He kept his own identity. He didn't, you know, as the crowds are pressing in, he's just like, well, I guess I'll change and be like this instead. No. Jesus kept his own identity, right? Regardless of the pressures of the crowd. Jesus picked who his close friends would be. He had hundreds and thousands of people all around him. We think you're awesome, Jesus. We love you so much, Jesus. But Jesus didn't say, okay, you guys can all be my best friends. And I'm going to tell you everything that I ever thought about. No, he didn't. He picked his own close friends, right? 
He had boundaries. He didn't let everyone into his life to be there. His closest, deepest friend, right? He picked his friends. He, when he needed space, he was basically had boundaries for his, uh, for his schedule. You know, he's like, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go pray, you know, on the mountaintop and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes that changed because of circumstances. But in general, Jesus had control of his schedule and he wasn't bullied around by other people, you know, unless he felt like it was okay. When, um, when, uh, he had control over when his time was in terms of his being revealed that he was the Messiah. Now his mom tried to change that by him do it, turning the water into wine. And he didn't want to break the 10 commandments because he had to respect his mother. So he still respected his mother and turned the water into wine, but he still controlled when it was revealed that he was the Messiah. He had control over that. He chose, he had a boundary, I guess you could say, over those things. Even Jesus, right? So boundaries are God's style. The next thing, boundaries are God's protection. Think about the Old Testament, the walls in the Old Testament. They provided what? Protection. The mold thing I talked about, uh, the color of the scabs thing, the um, laws and stuff like that. What were they for the Israelites? Were they just like random? God was like, hmm, let me think up something weird to, you know, write in the book of Leviticus. Yes or no? No. He had a reason. And what was the reason? Protection. He had a reason to protect his people. He had, you know, bestiality, things like that. It's like, he wasn't just like, I want to just control the sexuality of, of my people, you know, and I, I don't want them to have happiness and having affairs and, you know, having sex with animals. No, that was a form of protection that God established those boundaries. Now, here's some example of protection. For example, um, if you go, a uh, form of protection is not going on certain websites, um, not going places where you see girls in bikinis that are smaller than underwear. You know what I'm saying? It's a underage drinking. It's like the, if you drink and, and this could go for adults too, but certainly for underage, it's like, you're gonna, you could get arrested. You can do stupid things. It's like, there's protection in a law like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, if, if you want to, there's a reason why the parks close at 10 PM. You want, you know why they close at 10 PM? Because there's no good thing that happens in the park after 10 PM. And somebody say, Amen. If, if you go driving with your girlfriend in the park at Elmwood Park at 1 p.m., do you think that that's a good idea? No. Protection, please. Okay. If you steal or you kill somebody, what's going to happen? You're going to go to jail. Okay. If you marry somebody that drinks heavily and does drugs heavily and all of his family does drugs and drinks heavily and they always have and he doesn't have a job yeah what's going to happen your life is going to stink okay it's going to sink and and so there's a, a protection that can come by not 
doing certain things, right? So, so God's uh, idea of protection in a boundary are what? Are they because he is like a control freak and wants to make your life miserable? No, it's to protect you, to protect your life, to keep your life from stinking and from having terrible things happen to you. Somebody say, come on. I haven't even gotten started yet. All right. All right. How about sleeping with somebody that is single or married? When you're single or married, bad. Don't do it. You know, there is somebody that whose, whose spouse went to the gym all the time and they even might be here, but they, they would take their wedding ring off because it was, you know, painful. Like when you um, did the bar and stuff like that and, and his wife was uncomfortable with it. And you know what he did? He got a tattoo. He got a tattoo where his ring was. So it looked like he had a ring, but he wasn't wearing the ring because if you don't wear a wedding ring in the United States, I know it's different in some other countries, but if you don't wear a wedding ring in the United States, what does it look like? It looks like you're single. It looks like you're available. A protection is to wear a wedding ring. Okay. Um, Let's see what else. Um, if you want to hang out with uh, somebody that seems like a womanizer and gives flowers to people that aren't their spouse um, and so forth, then what's happening? You're crossing this line of protection that God has designed for you. And women, you know, and men, you know who the womanizers are. And I'll address that later. So anyway, uh, other, other examples of protection, establishing boundaries in your life, uh, in relation to other people, you might have to do that with your extended family. That was like every single day, I'd like to come over with my 25 people and eat all your food, you know, or you might have a teenager that steals from you and does drugs in your house and has sex in your house. Okay. Love is not putting up with that. Love is setting a boundary and saying, this isn't allowed in my house. You see? Now, is that mean? Is that what God does? That's what God does. Remember? God's style, people. All right. Now, here's a, um, here's a story. There was a, a person that I worked with who, um, true story. She had, um, uh, and I'm just warning you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very, very, uh, direct. Okay. Um, so if that troubles you. So anyway, she had, um, she had her husband wanted her to watch pornography with him as a way to improve their, their sex life. So she did that to be a good wife. And then he asked her to go to a strip club with her to be a good wife. And then he found different people on Craigslist for them to engage with, to improve their marriage. And five years later, there was five years between here and here. And she said to me, she said, my life is completely destroyed. I don't even know who I am anymore. And how do I ever get back? After being exposed to those things. God's protection. God's protection. 
we had a friend that, um, I wouldn't say a friend, I'd say a medium friend. Um, like, uh, <laughs> by that, I mean, like, he stayed at our house several times, but, I mean, he wasn't like a close close friend or whatever. He was a friend of the family, so it was like a sibling of a, of a really close friend. And he decided, he had a couple buddies that um, they decided they were going to go out and um, look for this guy that they didn't like because they wanted to beat him up. So he took his mother's RAV, who, which was basically brand new because she had gotten like a hip replacement and she couldn't get in different vehicles. So she had bought a brand new vehicle, which is a big deal because this is like a lower middle class family. And, um, anyway, and so they went driving around. He was just driving. He didn't even know who this guy was that they were driving around to try to beat up. But there were these two other guys. They drove around from bar to bar. And what ended up happening was, um, they found the guy and they beat him to death. And then what happened was, and, and this young man, he didn't beat the two men, but he was there. He was an accessory. And they ended up, they live in Arizona, and so they drove the vehicle to the desert and set the guy on fire to destroy the body. But what happened was, is the guy's foot did not burn, and it had a tattoo. And they put the tattoo in the newspaper, and they identified the body, and they caught all three of them. And so now... What ended up happening is they charged all three for uh, life. What is it where they kill you? Life, life with a death penalty, all three of them. And this is a total inconsequential in light of this. But the mom never got the RAV back because it was like, um, what do you call it? Yes. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was evidence. And so they never, she never got the, so she was still making payments on this RAV. And, um, and so anyway, he ended up, he ended up like basically plea bargaining to these two guys. Cause they were like in this, they're basically the ones that murdered him. And so he tattled on them basically. And he got life without parole and they got the death penalty. But he had ratted on them, and so he is like a risk of getting killed in prison, so he's in solitary for the rest of his life. And he was like 23 years old. And it started with this. What did it start with? He decided, I'm going to go hang out with these two buddies that are trouble. I'm going to hang out with two buddies that are trouble. And then what happened is step after step. And before you know it, you're in prison, life without parole, in solitary confinement. And I don't mean to be like over dramatic, but these are true stories. And the point is, is that God has established boundaries for our protection. And that's why he put them there. He didn't put them there just to be mean and controlling. He put them there for our protection. Now, the next one is the boundaries are God's will. Now, here's an example I want to give. There's a guy in our sanctuary, Mike. Would you wave your hand, Mike? He just lost 50 pounds in the last six months, by the way. I got, I got his permission to share this, but boundaries are God's will. And they're not just God's will when it's easy, comfortable, 
makes you richer, you know, makes you happier, makes you whatever. Boundaries are there because they're God's will to be there. Mike worked for this hospital as this high-level administrator. I think it was like, was it like in North Dakota or something like that? South Dakota. And, and he was like super high up. And I, his supervisor was like embezzling money or something like that or doing things that were illegal in some way. And he um, confronted his boss and said, hey, I'm not comfortable doing this. Like, I'm not going to do this for you. And she said, well, if you're not going to do it for me, you can find another job. And he said, okay, I'll find another job because I know that this is God's will. Well, that's been at least 10 years, I guess. I'm guessing. Can you like nod yes or no or something? Okay. Okay. He's been, it's been at least 10 years and he's never gotten another hospital administration job. He's never made what he made in that job. Um, and he's had, you know, found different ways to support his family, but he, in a clean conscience could not make those decisions that he was being asked to make. And he held this boundary line in his life and said, I can't do that. And he knew it was God's will. And even now when he talks about it, he doesn't talk about it with regret, even though he gave up so much by doing that. But he, but he talks about it like, I know I did the right thing. Now, I want to talk about affairs for a minute. Do you guys mind if I do that? Thank you. I will take that as a yes. Okay. Um, first of all, I'm going to just talk about a few issues related to affairs because this is love limits or love boundaries. So let's talk about this. Can we please? It's a big issue. Now, um, first you don't have to be wimpy to have an affair. So it's not this only the spineless, you know, wimpiest women in the world have affairs. No, that is a misconception. And it's not just the wimpy women that have affairs. Um, affairs can creep up on you slowly or in an instant. There are two basic ways I think affairs creep up on people. And it's one of those two. It's either an instant like, holy moly, you know, I want to have an affair with that person. Or it's the slow uh, relationship becomes this emotional thing, becomes this whatever. And it kind of creeps up over time. But this is how I describe boundaries in terms of affair practically. God's will. We know it's God's will for us not to have an affair. Even if you have an unhappy marriage, even if you think your spouse is just creepy, ugly, you know, boring, you know, I, I can't stand them. I can barely stand to look at them. I don't care. It's like it's God's will that um, that that we should stay married unless uh, there's a specific reason. But anyway, so it's God's will for us to stay married. But I, I kind of put affairs, practically speaking, into three main areas. One is the avoid. That means there's something that is not being met by our spouse that is somehow ends up being temporarily met by another person. So there's a void that happens. And because of that, we find this other person that we feel is going to meet that void in our life. The second one is hormones. Now, a lot of times, you know, we talk about women's hormones. But for a moment, I'd like to talk about men's hormones. Okay. 
And, and, you know, hormones are not logical. You know, that's why you need a boundary. Because sometimes one's hormones can get away from a person. And that's why you need boundaries. Because it doesn't matter what your hormones think. And if you don't think that your spouse is meeting a certain need in your life or meeting it enough or something like that, you have to have a boundary of what is God's will. And God's will is that your hormones don't fly all over the place out here. Okay? Now, the third area of, of affairs is what I think is the primary reason for affairs. And I call that reason vibes. And vibes are how you carry yourself, how you dress, nonverbal communication. It's a nondescript thing that everybody can read. I guarantee you, I mean, unless you are, you know, you, well, I don't want to say it because I don't be rude, but the majority of everyone in here should know what I mean when I'm talking about a vibe. And every single one of us sends off a vibe. And that vibe is either I'm available or I'm not available. Now, you're responsible for your own vibe. And if you don't want to have an affair and you want to stay in God's will for your life and God's protection and God's style, do you sense this like box coming around here? If you want to stay in God's will and God's protection and God's style, then you better have a personal check about your vibe. Okay? Now, your vibe can, is, cannot be um, touched or felt. It is communicated non-verbally that is expressing your availability to have an affair or not. And people can read your vibe, especially if it's a guy or gal that wants to have an affair. They are on the lookout for somebody that has a vibe that also says, I want to have an affair. And so anyway, here's an example of, of vibes. Now, um, as you know, I go to school at UNO. And I, most of the people, the vast majority of the people I work with are men and they're either my age or slightly older than me generally. And the reason that is, is because I'm a non-traditional student. So I'm older, I'm older than the average student at, in graduate school. And so because of that, I'm a very similar age to a lot of these men that I work with, even though I'm a subordinate to them. And so anyway, and the, the nature of my job or the work that I do there is in very close quarters. So they're like, all the professors have these offices that are very closed with just a door and, and we'll be doing like, um, statistical analysis where you're looking on computer screens and stuff like that. And, you know, pointing at the screen and reaching over and this type of thing under very close proximity. And so I figured out, I mean, um, that, well, I didn't just figure out, I mean, I already knew because I'm not stupid that it was very important for me to send a signal that my vibe was, I am not available. You see, because I'm working in close proximity to a lot of men my age. And so anyway, um, so whenever I reached over to the computer, for example, I always reach over with my left hand that shows my ring finger, right? 
And so I was like, I would like this number, 2.76. You know, I think that's wrong, whatever. I bought a cross necklace after I started working there. I bought a cross necklace. So whenever I'm reaching over, there's this cross that's dangling across the, across the desk. <laughs> right? My screensaver on my computer is my family picture, right? Okay, so guess how many times I have gotten propositioned at school by men that I work with closely? Zero times. You see? Now, there is a, there is a um, couple at the school, a graduate student and a teacher um, that... I got to look at my time here. That... Um, Okay, uh, that a teacher that I am pretty sure is having an affair. And do you know why I think they're having an affair? Vibes. There is a vibe between those two that is going on. And I think they're having an affair. Now, they might not be, but the point is, is I can read the vibe. And everyone else can read your vibe, too. They're not stupid, and they can see that in you, Okay. All right. When my, so God's will, when my dad was a pastor, um, in, um, in Detroit and we kept getting our, um, our, kept getting our like electronics stolen, like our mic and you know, whatever. And we'd go back to the pawn shop and rebuy it and everything. And it was, so anyway, after a while, what did we do? We put up bars on the windows of the church, even though my dad was opposed to it. Because he thought it sent the wrong signal. But he had tired of buying back his soundboard from the pawn shop. Right? He put up bars. God's will, man. If you got to put up bars, you put up bars. You know what I'm saying? If you got to get a cross, you know, the size of Papillion La Vista, get that thing, man. All right. And then finally, boundaries give us God's help. God, when we have boundaries in place in our lives, we set ourselves up. For God's help. When you have those things in place, you set yourself up for God's help. Whether you set up a budget so that you don't go in debt and go bankrupt, whether you change your friends, you know, when Levi was away from the Lord a little bit, um, guess who he hung out with? His school friends. Now, after he got saved, guess who he hung out with? Church friends. That's not rocket science, right? It's God's plan for protection, God's help. You know, I want to have you stop. Everyone stop whining that whines about the options of having Christian friends if you go to this church. We are good news for all people, and by golly, we have all people at this church. And if you can't find a friend at this church, then you need to see Walt. No, I'm serious. It's like that is God's help for your life. And it's not God's help to like pay your mortgage or to pay your utility bill. No, it's God's help for you to have a boundary set that protects you. That's what your friends are for. That's what your friends are for. Now, you know, um, uh, 
for example, boundary, God's help. If you, if you're prone to suicide, if you're prone to suicide, they say, you know, have a, have a thing that you say to yourself, a, a help that you do whenever you feel suicidal. Like, I know that my kids will need me, or I know that, um, that God created me, or it's something, a line or something you can tell yourself that gives you protection and gives you help in those time of need. You know, the thing is, is that every Every boundary breach comes down to one quick decision. That's the thing. It's like, it's like my, my illustration of that girl, you know, that came down to that one quick decision of let's watch that video. And then after those quick decisions, you get pain, pregnancy, affairs, job loss, breaking up of families, heartbreaks. And, um, and it's amazing. Boundaries can help you know what not to watch, who not to hang out with, what not to say, what not to, where not to work at, what not to uh, be treated like, what to watch, what to read, how to talk to your kids, how to protect your family physically and mentally. You know, if we uh, find, if we, you know, if we find ourselves breaching these areas, what we do is we have to begin to fill ourselves up with Christ, fill our mind up with Christ. We have to begin doing the things that we know to do, like going to church, finding Christian friends, start reading the Bible, even if it's hard parts, maybe start with the easy parts. It's not rocket science. It's the same thing. But the thing is, is to remember that these are God's way of protecting us. I'm going to tell one more I'm going to tell one more quick story and then we're going to, we're going to close my sister. Um, when she was, uh, well, anyway, my sister wanted to marry this guy and my parents didn't like the guy. And they said, you know, we don't approve of you marrying this guy, but she went ahead and married the guy. And, uh, you know, I didn't like the guy either. And guess why I didn't like the guy vibe. You got it. He gave me a bad vibe. I didn't like it. And, um, anyway, and so within just a couple of weeks, uh, he had had his first affair and my sisters, she's gorgeous and smart. And I mean, she's, she's a catch, you know, and, um, couple, okay. He's affairs and affairs. And it just ended up turning into a series of affairs and terrible things. And he ended up like splitting her brake line and it became violent and, and, you know, a uh, restraining order and all this and that. And so, um, so it ended up being a terrible thing. And my parents had to swoop in and get her out of the situation. And, and she ended up getting divorced. But anyway, anyway, what ended up happening is after that time, she ended up completely falling away from the Lord for over 10 years. And, and she was like more sold out, I thought, than I was growing up. But that situation just completely veered her off and uh, for years and she lost a huge chunk she lost a, a large chunk of her childbearing years and she always wanted to be a mother and um, a lot of other things you know financially going bankrupt and all that kind of, just a lot of other things and um, and so the, it all started from her breaching making one decision you know making one decision and then it ended up veering off but God's desire for you is to protect you. It's his style. It's his protection. It's his will. It's his help. 
And what happens is as we worship and as we uh, build our walls, just walls begin to build up that provide greater strength and greater protection and greater help in our time of need. So what I want us to do is the worship team is going to sing a song. The song is just related to God. It's just related to the Lord and to worshiping him. And as we sing this song, I, I want us to just, first of all, ask the Lord where we're at in terms of these things, where the breaches are in our lives. And then I want us to begin to worship him and seeing this square is beginning to fill and fill with hope from the Lord. Okay. So if you would just stand, we're going to, you don't even have to sing this song, but let's just stand in response. Just close your eyes and think about this square in terms of your life. God, I thank you that you created us. You made us. I thank you that you know every single person in this room. You thank, I thank you, oh God, that you know what's going on in their heads. You know what has happened in their lives. You know the good things. You know the bad things. You know the crossovers on the lines and you know the stain within the lines. Thank you, oh God, that you made a way. God, thank you, oh God, that you made a way for forgiveness, for a new plan, a new start, oh God. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would overshadow and guide every single person in this place. God, I pray for wisdom in the mind of Christ. God, I pray for wisdom to know where to draw the line, what to do, what decisions to make in order to abide and to operate within your plan and within your help, oh God. I pray for the mind of Christ for the decision. I pray for courage to rise up inside of them. I pray for courage for people that have not uh, expressed courage in their lives so far. God, you are their courage. May you be their help in time of need, I pray, oh God. God, I pray that for those whose walls are intact, God, I pray for a building and a growing of those walls. I pray for a filling of this square by your Holy Spirit that creates fruits and pours over. In the name of Jesus, I pray. God, I pray for your hand and your help on every single person's life in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your hand and your help. Thank you that you've promised that. We give ourselves to you, to your ways and to your glory in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You may go from this place and if the altar workers would come forward, if you have a, a need specifically related to this message or just anything in general, feel free to come forward and be prayed for by the people at this altar. But may God give you the wisdom and the help and the courage for every decision that you walk in as you leave this place. In the name of Jesus, God bless you.